Hi friends, future Jillian here. I just wanted to pop in really quick and give you guys kind of a warning, but not really. Um, just a friendly reminder that you were listening to our earlier episodes. So at this point, we were still kind of figuring out our groove and figuring out what we were doing. And so please don't judge us on these ones. At least give some of the newer ones a listen. We really got into it around episode four or five, but we got our new microphones in episode nine. So you will notice quite a bit of a sound quality difference if you're listening backwards from our newest episodes to our first episodes. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up and thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery. We are your hosts. My name is Heather. And I'm Jillian. And we are back together for an episode today that is special to us, and I do know a little bit about this one, so this is a little bit unusual, Um, but we are actually talking about somebody that we consider a friend. Um, This one is probably also going to be sad. Very. Like our last one. And this is the first and only episode that I did run run past Heather, because um, since it is a very sensitive topic for us, I did not want to throw it on her, although I'm sure there's, uh, you know parts of this that she hasn't heard and doesn't know about, I still wanted to let her know um, the victim in this case. And we're not going to cry. So, Heather, (laughs) we're not going to cry. Yeah. But this... We are probably going to be pretty sad. And I will say I'm a little bit nervous to talk about it. Yeah. But um, this is the case of Tanner Ward, which uh, you may have heard before because it is picking up some traction, which I'm very happy about. But... um, I just thought we'd give a little bit of background that we knew Tanner because when we were in middle and high school, mm-hmm. we went to youth conventions with our church. And uh, we are from, as we say every episode, Troy, Missouri. And Tanner was from Trenton, Missouri. So he went with his church. And it was actually crazy because I remember the moment that we met them. And I say them because... It was three of them. There was Tanner, there was Jose, and there was Uriah. And this was when Bean Boozled was super new. And I bought a game of Bean Boozled. And I thought it would be so funny if I put all of them in a bag. And just, we went around asking people if they wanted jelly beans. I low-key forced these boys to eat these. And one of them got one that was a rotten egg. And he, like, threw up in a trash can. I still feel bad about it. <laughs> but they were the only, only people... That did not get mad at us. And yeah. we became friends, and every, you know, convention, we would look for our Trenton boys. Yeah. And, um, so, this case is gonna suck. This case sucks, but we care about Tanner, and we think yes. that he deserves more attention than he's gotten. And right. so, it's important to talk about it, even though we're both gonna be sad, and we're sorry for bringing down your mood, but, again... He deserves to be talked about, and that's why we're doing it. Right. Okay. So, Tanner Ward was born on September 7th, 1999, to Lisa and Curtis Ward. He had two siblings, Tyler and Kelsey. He grew up in the small town of Trenton, Missouri. Trenton is pretty much a tiny college town that's only an hour and a half from Kansas City, Missouri. Its population is about 6,000, so definitely has small town in the Midwest vibes where everyone knows everyone. In his younger years, Tanner was an adorable, geeky kid with glasses. We actually named him Harry Potter at convention, (laughs) but unfortunately, he eventually fell in the wrong crowd and struggled with some drug use. However, 
Tanner eventually found the love of his life, Megan, when he was 19. They had a beautiful daughter together named Sophia. Tanner seemed to really be getting his life back together at this point. He was a great dad and was set on marrying Megan. I remember seeing him drop hints on, on Facebook about proposing to her, and it was so sweet. He was also excited about his first Father's Day with his daughter. All of that being said, he was looking forward to spending the rest of his life with his new little family. This brings us to the night of June 7th, 2017. Tanner told his family he was leaving to visit a friend named Jeremiah. His mother was fixing chicken and asked if he was going to be home in time for dinner. Tanner said that he was only going to be gone around 30 minutes and to fix him a plate. He kissed his daughter goodbye and then headed out the door. This unfortunately would be the last time that his family saw him alive. So let's jump back a second to talk about this friend he went to see, Jeremiah. Now, as I said before, everyone knows everyone in Trenton, but neither his mother nor his sister knew of this friend and hadn't even heard Tanner bring him up before. After the 30 minutes had passed and Tanner's dinner started to get cold, his mom started to worry. She said that him not coming home when he said he would was so out of character for him. He also didn't have a cell phone at the time, so they had no way to contact him. The next day, when he still had not come home, the worry turned into panic. Kelsey, Tanner's sister, started to retrace all of her brother's steps over the last few days. A primary goal, of course, was to find out who this Jeremiah guy was. After asking around, she found out where he lived, and Kelsey went to the guy's house and hopes Tanner was there. After knocking on the door with no luck, she assumed everyone inside was still asleep, so she let herself into the unlocked apartment. She described what she found as trashed and said that it looked like there had been a struggle. Furniture was overturned, and there was a huge hole in the wall. Also, the back door of the apartment was left wide open. Bravely, Kelsey walked around the place and found that no one was home. As she turned to leave, she spotted a baseball cap lying on the floor in the middle of the room. She immediately recognized that this was Tanner's favorite cap. She started to panic because she knew Tanner wouldn't leave his hat, the one he wore every, every day, just tossed in the middle of some apartment floor. Kelsey snatched up his hat and immediately left. She went straight to the police department to tell them what she saw and file a missing persons report. At the police department, they assured Kelsey that they would look into this, but at the same time told her she was probably just overreacting. They said Tanner was probably with some girl getting his mind right, whatever the heck that means, and that he would show up soon. I don't understand why so many times, like, these stories start with, like, police officers being like, it's fine, they probably just ran away, or it's fine, they're probably just out partying, they'll come back tomorrow, like... If people are panicked, people are panicked for a reason. Right. And the first 48 hours is... So important. Exactly. And so it's strange to me that, like, police are always... I guess they probably see a lot of cases where that's the case. Where, like, somebody got too drunk or something and then didn't come home or whatever. But I still feel like you have to, like, take every case seriously. Exactly. Because it could make such a big difference. Right, and I know he was an adult at this time legally, but it's like, you know, like Heather said, you should take every case seriously until you have a reason not to. And I don't think you just assuming some young boy was getting his mind right with some girl would be cause to not take it seriously and to not look into it at first sign of, I don't know, at first. Well, and there, it wasn't even that, like you said take it seriously until you have a reason not to. Like, it wasn't even that there was no reason to take it seriously. Like, his sister just found this guy's house that she's never met before where it looks like there was a fight, there's a hole in the wall, her right. brother's stuff's there, her brother's not there, he didn't come home. Like, it seems to me like there is reason to be worried. Right. So it's so strange to me that 
so often police were like, it'll be all right. Right. And when I say until you have a reason not to, I really mean like. Until you, you find them. Yeah. yeah if you no, think some 100%. kid is just like out drunk and then you take it seriously until he comes home hungover the next day. Right. You know, not. No, I totally got what yeah. you were saying. But I will say Trenton, I've been there many times and it, it literally is just, it would be like if Troy was like half the size but if Troy was half the size and had a college just slam dunk in the middle of town, yeah, like, there's really not a hut there. But this wasn't like Tanner at all, so his family knew something was terribly wrong. I remember the missing post on Facebook and my heart absolutely broke because we all just knew things weren't right. At this point, about two weeks had passed and the family had started taking matters into their own hands. They worked tirelessly to hang up missing person flyers all over the county. While hanging up flyers, Kelsey ran into Jeremiah and believe it or not, he was wearing the same shirt Tanner was wearing the day he went missing. Obviously, Kelsey went up to confront him, and when she got closer, she noticed there were some sort of stains on the shirt. When she questioned Jeremiah about this, he brushed it off, but Kelsey threatened to call the police if he didn't hand it over. Jeremiah said he would just meet her at the police station. When they got to the station, the police said that they would take the shirt for testing. Unsurprisingly, Jeremiah was hesitant to do this, so they pretty much had to force him to give up the shirt for testing. Experts did the forensic testing, but unfortunately couldn't determine if the spots were blood stains or not. They also conducted a voice stress test on Jeremiah, which is similar to a polygraph test, but considered less accurate, but easier to do. We don't know the exact results, but they were enough for police to get a warrant to search the property owned by Jeremiah's dad in the town over. Police used cadaver dogs, which are dogs that pick up the scent of human remains. After the dogs indicated remains at a burn pile on the property, a 10 by 6 foot forensic dig was done. However, they only found animal bones at this point. The case was quickly growing cold. Since Tanner didn't have his phone with him, there was no way to trace his whereabouts with that technology. Unfortunately, most of Tanner's friends were worried about talking to the police because, let's just be honest, they partook in illegal substances and they probably didn't want to get in trouble. Small towns talk, so at this point, police were getting a lot of tips that turned out to be nothing. The case continued to grow cold, by police standards at least, and it had to be tough for his family to hold on to any hope that Tanner would be found safe. However, Tanner's family and friends continued working hard looking for him and didn't seem to want to give up. It was six months later when his loved ones learned Tanner's fate. On December 4th, 2017, two high schoolers, who happened to be childhood friends of Tanner's, were walking to school around 7.30 a.m. Coincidentally, they were just three blocks away from Tanner's own home. Near an abandoned grain elevator, they heard a creaking noise above them. They looked up and found Tanner's body hanging from a 25-foot tree. Needless to say, his body was decomposing. I didn't realize it was six months later. Like, well, I remember the Facebook posts and everything, too. And, like, I remember everybody being like, where did he go? Well, like, he just literally disappeared. And, it, you know, in the time that he was missing was when Jose died in a car accident. I know. And so it was like... That was really rough. So that's, like, another reason why this is so hard on us. Because there were three guys that we met up with. And it was just like, bam, bam. Right. You know what I mean? Right, like Tanner went missing, Jose unfortunately passed away in a car accident, and then they found Tanner, and then we're like holding on to Uriah, like, please don't let anything happen, like. But also, like, we, Uriah, if you're listening to this, which you're probably not, we think about you a lot, bud, and we hope that you're doing well, because we cannot even imagine what that would be like. Right. Which, we don't know if they were, if the three were, like, still close in any way, shape, or form, because obviously you grow from friendships, and that's natural, but still, like, whenever... I lose a childhood friend. It's hard on me. Right. Yeah. I remember actually like our senior year youth convention, Hirai was the only one there because that was when Tanner and he said Jose too had like straight away from mm-hmm. church. 
and so they didn't go but this was like we would literally see them every year and like they were like the people that we like clung to because the some of the other kids from the other churches were like weird so and like not in like not in a weird way but they were like chill and like cool and like fun to talk to so it was like yeah sucked. it's also hard like when you are in a big room with a bunch of people that you don't know, like, of course you're going to gravitate towards the people that you have met before. And, like, right. you know you have things in common and things like that. So it was just always easy to go. And, like, we always were like, oh, we wonder if they're going to be there. Or, like, we would message them and be like, are you guys coming? And they'd be like, yeah, are you guys coming? And then yeah. we'd always meet up. So And and I would say, so when we first met them, it was me, Heather, um, our friend Caitlin, her little sister, Kenzie. And I would say Caitlin was the closest to Tanner out of all of us. And I think I was more closer to Uriah. But we, also Jake from State Farm. I was going to say, you didn't say Jake from State Farm earlier, and I was like, what I know. are you doing? I still Where is Jake from State Farm? He's still he's still out there. We're still Facebook friends. I'm still Facebook friends with Uriah. I was just offended that you didn't mention him I know, because I'm Jake sorry. from State Farm was my BFF. But he's not. He wasn't from Trenton. Hmm. But yeah. Actually, so I'm still friends with Uriah on Facebook and um, Jake from State Farm. And Jose, I think it's his grandma, but she shared she shared my post, and it freaks me out every time she shared my post of when she's inside of Jose's account. Yeah, she like she uses his Facebook account and posts stuff. Obviously, it, like it just not, makes your heart skip a beat when you it, see the name. Right, and she well she had shared my post from when they found Tanner, which was a couple days. I mean, it was four years ago, a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And so when I when it was like Jose shared your post, I was just like. Yeah. Um, to address, you might be wondering, why are we calling Jake, Jake from State Farm? Because he wore well, khakis. We gave everybody, like, little nicknames. Everybody, like, at youth convention had nicknames. So, like, she was saying earlier, Harry Potter, and then we had Jake from State Farm. And it, was, it wasn't uncommon for, like, everybody to have, like, whatever you were wearing that day was kind of, like, what people called you. They were just, those were ones that were memorable. But, yeah, Jake from State Farm wore khakis, so we were, like, clearly an insurance agent. And his name was Jake, so, so it worked it perfectly. <laughs> and that was when the, the commercial had just came out, so it was, like... The original one, yeah. Yeah, everyone Who was are you just, talking to? Jake. Jake from, <laughs> what's he wearing? <laughs> khakis. <laughs> Sounds hideous. Uh, okay, I know I'm about to cry. I miss it so much. <laughs> if you cry, I'm gonna cry. Okay, um, so they looked up and they found Tanner's body hanging from a 25-foot tree. Needless to say, his body was decomposing. I'm not sure the exact state, but his feet were literally just gone and his fingers were mummified. Evidence at the scene included a small pile made up of shoes and one sock. There are mixed reports on whether or not Tanner was wearing pants or if they were in the clothing pile, but it was later confirmed that all the clothes at the scene were indeed the clothes Tanner was wearing when he passed away. Now, this includes his shirt, which kind of contradicts Kelsey's thinking that the shirt Jeremiah was wearing was Tanner's. However, I think it could have been a common type of shirt that both men owned, or maybe Jeremiah was wearing Tanner's shirt, but quickly changed out of that after it was identified as Tanner's by Kelsey. But then I also would think the police would keep it as evidence, so that doesn't really make sense to me. That is weird. Right. But if this was the case, it puts a time frame of Tanner's death to have been after Jeremiah's encounter with Kelsey, because the coroner's report proved that the shirt found at the scene with Tanner was the shirt he was wearing when he died. For the autopsy, they used dental records to positively identify the body as Tanner's. The cause of death 
was listed as suicide by hanging. Needless to say, this ruling was found to be implausible by many. One, Tanner's feet were gone. Now they said it was from decomposition. They never said the decomposed feet were found in the shoes, which you would assume he would still be wearing or found directly underneath the tree. But either way, the feet were gone, not simply decomposed. Experts countered this with the explanation that animals could have gotten to him and consumed the feet. However, if the animals did take some of the remains, they would still have the evidence in the shoes. So that does not make any sense to me because the shoes were still there and you would think that the animals would have either A, taken the whole shoe or if they there were still remains inside of the shoe, which obviously there weren't since they said that they were just gone. And socks. Right, and well, only one, one sock. sock. Yeah. Right. Since there were no other injuries, Jeremiah or anyone else was ruled out as being a suspect, but the family didn't buy it. To them, it just didn't make sense. Those close to him had no reason to believe Tanner was suicidal. He was actively planning his future with Megan and his daughter. He also seemed excited that his father was coming back from deployment. Also, like I said before, he told his mom to fix him a plate because he would be back in 30 minutes. Yeah. I know that individual's behavior prior to suicide is different for everyone, but to me, he just didn't seem like someone that was planning to leave his life. But if this was the case, it put the time of Tanner's death to have been after Jeremiah's encounter with Kelsey. Of course, it was at this point that rumors started to spread like wildfire. Stories of Tanner being held captive and tortured for months before he was murdered, and others said that he was killed earlier than stored in a freezer until he was placed on the tree. I heard all of those. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, a scary thing to read on Facebook. Right. Yeah, because you still, well, shouldn't have Facebook now, but you had Facebook when all this happened. I had Facebook then, yeah. And, like, I, I remember, at least at the beginning, I was checking all the time, and then whenever they found him, honestly, it was horrible, like, what people were saying, which I understand that people were trying to figure it out, and, like I've said before, like, the brain wants to make things make sense, but... It was horrible for me to read, so, like, I can't even imagine, like, his mom having to read that. Right. Like, what people were saying must have happened. Which, like, maybe one or more of the theories were true, but I just remember when I was reading it on Facebook, it was really scary to me. Right. And the one I remember that I haven't seen people talk about was that Tanner was beaten with a bat and then hung in a cellar where he eventually died, but... In all these scenarios, it's believed that the killer staged the suicide scene. Mm -hmm. And of course, these are just rumors, but the official reports that said that Tanner died where his body was found. However, there are some other contradicting points that I do believe sound pretty valid. One fact brought up by Kelsey was that there was no evidence of wildlife messing with his body. She said if authorities wanted to say wildlife took Tanner's feet, then it seemed likely that animals would have messed with his body. In Missouri, we have bugs and vultures or whatever other type of birds that eat dead carcasses so it makes no sense that he had been there for six months and wildlife took his feet but decided to leave his body alone Mm -hmm. Uh, another point that bothers me is that his fingers were mummified and as far as i know mummification happens in like very dry conditions and since we live in missouri we know that we have all four seasons sometimes in literally one day and like right now sorry not to interrupt you right now it's december like mid-December almost and tomorrow it's gonna be like 72 for the high right and literally last week the high was 29 and it was snowing yeah and tomorrow tomorrow they did say there's chance of tornadoes I know which gives I mean we live on the other side of the state but still the uh I lived in Kansas City for undergrad and the conditions are the same right I can attest yeah and also you know it has to be dry and it's like humid as heck here sometimes but the only time I've ever seen, I have seen one mummified animal, animal in my entire life in Missouri. 
and it was in a cellar. I have never seen anything mummified in my life. I've seen... How did you find a mummified animal in a cellar? You don't know how? Because we were RV parking, not RV, we were RVing, and there was a tornado, and the uh, owners of the the park that we were staying at mm-hmm. went and banged on everybody's camper doors, and then we had to, it was like, it was like a water... It was some sort of building, but it was a cellar, and there was dead rats, and there was a mummified rat in the cellar. That's spooky. It is, and we had to stand there for, well, I was very young, but we had to stand there for probably, like, an hour, but honestly, it was better than being in an RV. Sorry, but... Rude? I'm so sorry. No, I'm <laughs> no, not, I like... I'm, I'm not just saying, like... I'm, I'm literally not offended. I don't care. Well, no, not that. I was just saying it was better than being in an RV during a tornado, but here I am telling you tomorrow there's a chance of tornadoes, and... By the way, everybody, I live in an RV, if you didn't know. Yes. And... I'm proud, so come at me if you want. I don't care. Which, her RV is nice. I just can't do no basement, because we got... I don't like having no basement either, because I also am a little bit scared of storms, but so far it's been fine, and, like, we have other places to go. It's no big deal. Right. With that being said, six months of inconsistent temperatures causing him to be mummified does not make sense to me. Another question. Do you know the true process of mummification? If you don't, it's okay. I'm just curious. Like, I, I wonder, though, if we should, like, Google it. You know what I mean? It's I well, agree she, with you. She, I don't think that it happened. I don't think it makes sense that anything would be mummified. Are you looking up the mummification process? Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. I'm I do just, know that they I'm tried a to say soul. Right. I do know that they had tried to say that, like, oh, it's like possible. But is it possible? Sure, everything is possible. But is it likely? No, it's not likely at all. Okay. This says this is Daily Mail from the UK, by the way. Just a quick Google search because I really like to know things. And so when you tell me this person was mummified, I want to know how do people become mummified. Right. It says natural mummification is defined as the process by which the skin, organs of a deceased person or animal are preserved without the introduction of chemicals by humans. It is rare and only happens in very specific situations, which include extreme cold, which he was found in December, Mm -hmm. but like he did not. It wasn't over winter. Right. Um, arid conditions or a lack of oxygen. So like what you're saying, very dry. Right. Lack of oxygen or extreme cold. Exactly. And in the summertime, that is just not the case. It's humid as hell here. Exactly. And so that's why it, I don't believe. It just doesn't make sense. That, um, another factor that seems to disprove this theory that Tanner died in the same place where he was found is the location. Um, it was a fairly. It's like populated, right? Like don't people walk by there a lot? Right. That's what, so it was open and there was constantly people walking through there. In fact, the construction workers who were working near the site had a storage building only 25 feet away from the tree where they found Tanner. And those witnesses all said that his body was not there until the day he was discovered. Exactly. And this is probably a pain in Jill's butt because I have heard some of these stories. But you can't tell me that one day two people just happened to walk by there. And, like, you can't tell me that they, that person was there the whole time. You just can't tell me that. Right. Because everybody, like, the way that I understand it, like, people were in this area every day. Right. Well, every single day, and you cannot tell me that dozens of people were there, and they never noticed somebody hanging from a tree. Right. Well, the kids that found him literally took that way to school. And so every they day. even yeah. said that his body was not there. Kelsey's friend, Tanner's sister, um, her friend also came forward and said that she played with her son under that exact same tree during the period that he was missing, and that the body was not there. That's what I'm saying. And so experts tried to say that a passerby wouldn't have necessarily looked up, and they wouldn't have seen the body. Okay, I understand the argument, but it's not about looking up. Like, when you're 100 feet away, 
you're not looking up, you're looking forward. It's then in your peripheral vision because you're further away. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, if you were literally teleported to that specific spot, maybe you wouldn't look up. But if you had to walk through the area, at some point you would have been looking at his body. And not even just that. But, like, it gets hot as heck in summer. It's hot as hell. I'm, and, I said that. And it's humid as hell, too. Right. And bodies smell bad. Horrible. And they're decomposing. So you're trying to tell me that some kid and his mom was playing underneath this exact same tree. With his with, feet. With a decomposing body in the top of it in the middle of summer and that they didn't even notice a smell. So some rumors say that Tanner must have been in a state of psychosis and took his own life. Let me ask another question. Or, like, make another point. Right. Which maybe you're going to make, and I am so sorry, because, like I said, no, this is probably in your butt. How does one get to 25 feet in a tree? Well, I don't know. And they said that the tree bark haven't been disturbed. That's what That's what So I'm that saying. no one else, the, that's how they tried to say that they know that nobody put him up there because the tree bark hadn't been disturbed. But their argument for that makes no sense to me because if he were to get up there, he would have had to disturb it. Exactly. Either way, whether it was him or somebody else putting Tanner in the tree. By the way, rest in peace, Tanner. I try to say that every time and I missed it at the beginning. Either way, it should have been disturbed. So to me, it's weird that it wasn't. Right. And that's an argument that they made. And 25 feet is high. Right. Like, are you just climbing it like a pole? Like, I don't understand. Not even that. Did they... And I didn't see this when I was looking it up, but I remember, and I've seen it on Facebook, and I think it was which on the date, not a great source. The, I think it was on the Dateline episode, which I haven't watched in a couple years, because there is a Dateline NBC episode on Tanner that was filmed, I think, a couple months, maybe to a year after they found his body, but they said that, like, he was, he had, like, fallen on a tree branch, and that's why they heard him, like, heard the creaking or whatever, and that's why they saw him, so he would have been up higher from what some of the reports said, which does not make any sense to me. And then that was another reason they tried to say he was even higher in the tree. And that's why nobody could see him with the foliage and stuff, which I still don't believe. But with that being said, it does make, I mean, I agree I don't believe it, but it does make a little bit more sense that like if he were in the treetops, there would be a lot of leaves. But still, there are a lot of other factors to consider here and like it just doesn't add up. And this was December and our leaves have fallen off a long time ago. Right. You know? I'm saying, yeah. Right. Like at the beginning when he would have, in theory, went missing and then in theory would have taken his life. Like at that point, maybe, yeah, but then this whole fall, those kids would have been walking that path. And all of that, like, it just doesn't make sense. And nobody would have noticed a pile of clothes and shoes. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Like, none of this makes sense to me. So, with that being said, they tried to throw psychosis out there. And Tanner's family and friends did admit that he smoked weed. Smoking weed doesn't make you climb a 25-foot tree. It makes you sleepy. Right. From my understanding. Again, I do not smoke weed. But from my understanding, it does not make you a crazy person. (laughs) No. And there have been studies that try to link marijuana to suicidal tendencies and they've all been inconclusive i guess i shouldn't say marijuana makes you sleepy but i'm pretty sure it just makes you like mellow right like i don't know but that's my understanding it doesn't make you like manic you know what i mean no and i mean there is drug-induced psychosis but uh it's not from marijuana you know yeah which uh tanner's involvement in selling drugs was brought up as well there were some law enforcement that said tanner was a hopeless drug fiend and that he took all the medicine that he could find, all the drugs that he could find, and that's why he took his own life. There was a report of a prior incident that happened in 2016. Ah, uh, yes, because, sorry, again, not to interrupt you, but, ah, mm-hmm. uh, yes, because he took medications and took all these drugs, and then he climbed 25 feet and hung himself. 
he overdosed and then hung himself. That's what they're saying? No. They're trying to say that, like, basically he was a drug fiend. And so, even though everyone's like, he's, like, getting his life together, which I really do honestly think that you can still have your life together and be getting your life together while still smoking weed. I have friends that smoke weed every day and they live productive lives and members of society. So, I don't think that... I think that's why they were trying to say, oh, well, he didn't really have his life together. He was still doing a bunch of drugs and all sorts of stuff, and then that's why. Basically, they're trying to make him look like a, a drug addict, yeah. and I don't know. I mean, I understand he had issues with drugs before, but I believe him and his family when he said he was getting his life together for his daughter. Yeah. So. It really did seem that way, like, from an outsider's perspective, which I understand that social media is not everything, and it's it doesn't show all of real life, but it really did seem like things were moving in the right direction. Right. So there was a report of a prior incident that happened in 2016. Allegedly, Tanner and his brother Tyler were involved in a drug deal gone wrong that resulted in them taking a gun and confronting Jeremiah. Mm. I guess you hadn't heard that part yet. Mm -mm. It was said that his neighbor named Stephanie and her daughter were all there at the time, but luckily no one was harmed. However, Tanner was given a felony charge over this and was put on probation. So, basically, what it sounds like had happened was there was a drug deal gone wrong. Tanner and his brother went there and kind of, like, held him hostage for a little bit. But then they worked things out and everything was fine. Which I'm not saying is good at all. But this was a year before he went missing. So, Lisa, Tanner's mom, got an got an anonymous text message saying that Tanner was killed in retaliation for this incident. It said that they were only going to beat him up, but when Tanner fought back, things went out of hand, resulting in Tanner's death. The Stephanie, the neighbor, was never questioned or considered person of interest, but she said she didn't do it. On April 18th, 2018, Trenton Police Department announced that the autopsy was complete and Tanner's death had officially been ruled a suicide. The autopsy had been conducted by a forensic firm in Kansas City, Kansas, and made the confirmation that he was responsible for his own death by hanging. The official report concludes that the scene indicated self-suspension and there was no evidence of the bark on the trees to support rubbing off the court as it's being hoisted by another person. And no one is currently considered a person of interest, but I don't believe that. And Dateline didn't either. And most importantly, Tanner's family doesn't. And they don't think that this is the first death that the police department has covered up. So many things don't add up. Like, why did they never release Jeremiah's statement on what happened that night? This guy was the last person to see Tanner alive, and authorities kept acting like acting like he was some good kid. I feel like they just disregarded him entirely as a suspect, and it's so frustrating. I have so many questions that have no answers, and more importantly, I'm not going to cry. But there's a family that needs closure, and I'm not going to stop telling Tanner's story until they get it. I'm so sorry. I'm going to make you cry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm trying not to. Yeah. This story sucks. <laughs> it does. Anyway, um, yeah, so... I'm, I ha I'm a little confused because, so Kelsey said, that's his sister, said that she went into Jeremiah's apartment and there appeared to be a struggle and the hole in the wall and his hat was there and all of that. And then his mom gets this text message like, hey, we were just trying to beat him up, but then he died. Basically. Mm -hmm. But then, like, the autopsy or the coroner had said he had no injuries other than from hanging. Do you want to know what my, my thought is? I'm just saying, like, those two don't add up. Right, but my, like, how I think, they never even, like, as far as I've seen, they didn't even, like, get, like, a time of death. And they also couldn't even do, like, or at least didn't say that they did, uh, when they did the autopsy, that they did a 
toxicology screen. If they did do one, they never said anything about it, which I understand if bodies in decomposition, it would be harder to do it. I personally, and I don't know, this is literally just my thoughts, is that obviously he did not do this to himself, but I think that they did do something to him. And I think if they did beat him up, that they really did have him locked somewhere. So his injuries would have been healed by the time that they staged his death. And what other other thing that does not make sense to me at all is that I looked it up and cadaver dogs do not detect animal remains. So why was there human remains in this burn pit, but no human remains? I was going to say that earlier, actually. There's like one true crime story that I followed and... In that true crime story, they talked a lot about the use of cadaver dogs because the cadaver dogs helped, like, find the place where this person was. And um, they said that they don't find it's strictly human remains. And they hit on that burn pile, which is odd because cadaver dogs are, like, extraordinarily accurate. But what I was going to say earlier is if his body is decomposed, I don't understand how you could say he had no other injuries. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you could say he had no slash wounds. Or broken Or bones. a bullet wound, which I don't understand how you could say he had no bruising on the skin. Right, or, that's why I you think... You know what I mean? Because he he very well could have then... Which, I'm not saying that your your idea is wrong. Right. I'm just saying, like, if he like if he died the night that he went missing, he could have been beat up and had bruises and all of that. Right. Which wouldn't have then shown up six months later of a decomposed body. Yeah. That makes sense, too. I really do think that I just they... think it's odd that they say he had no other injuries. Like, how do you know? Like, how could you tell right. if a body's decomposed? Especially to the point where you're going to tell me that his feet fell off. If his body's decomposed to the point where you think his feet fell off, how are you going to tell me that he had no other wounds on his body? Well, what I didn't, and I don't know because I didn't find, when I was looking up cadaver dogs, does there have to be, like, physical traits of human remains for them to pick it up or could have been that like a human a decomposing body was there at one point but then moved um i think that it could be if they were there and then it was moved but it would have to have been like very recently so i really think that they were gonna burn him and then they were like "Mm." because it makes no sense that they would hit on that yeah it doesn't make sense why it would hit on that maybe and uh, like this is hard to talk about because this is a person that I knew and I loved. But, like, maybe his feet were there. That's what I was thinking, but then they didn't find any bones. In the fire? Yeah, they only found animal bones. But at the same time, even when I thought you said that they found animal bones when they did the dig. They did. So they didn't find, like, they did not I'm find... I'm saying in the fire. Like, who knows if they even checked the fire. Like, if they, like, picked up the fire ashes, you know what I'm talking about? Oh. Like, what if they... Which, like, well, well, God, this is, like, crazy talk about, which I know that we talk about this all the time, but it's, like, so different talking about somebody that you knew. But, like, what if they burned his feet in the fire? Would it get, I mean, the only thing that doesn't add up to me is that I know with the cremation process. It's it got to be super get, hot. It has to be super hot. And even at that point, the bones don't burn. They have to be crushed. Yeah. I don't know. It is my own personal opinion that Jeremiah had something to do with it. And I mean, he's definitely sus. 100%. And when I watched the Dateline episode... Again, just for I, my opinion. Right. Well, no, that's a, that is a fact. He is sus. I don't care. But it's so weird that they didn't even... I mean, did they even question him about the night? Because they didn't release a statement saying, oh, yeah, he came to my house and got drugs, or he came into my house. Because obviously he was there. His and, hat was there. And he could have lied and said, like... 
even if Tanner had gone there and even if Jeremiah had like beat him up, which even if that had happened, he could have easily been like, oh yeah, he was at my house. We did drugs last night. Or yeah, oh yeah, he was at my house. He bought drugs for me last night. Like, but if he didn't say any of that, he could have lied and come up with another reason. You know and I, I mean? want to know what they asked him on the stress test because that was enough for them to go warrant to search the property. Yeah. But they never said. And why haven't they done? I understand. Another question is why did they search his dad's property? Well, Jeremiah only lived in an apartment, which I guess that, yeah, why did but they, they not? But should, should, blah, blah, blah. they still should have searched his apartment, too. Right. And maybe they did, and they just didn't specify it, but, like, earlier you had specifically said that they searched his Jeremiah's dad's, dad's place. Which they... Is where the cadaver dogs hit. Right. So, like, they should have taken... They should have then searched everywhere else. They really should have searched it whenever he first went missing, when his family knew this was out of character for him, and he, they knew the last place that he was supposed to be. They should have taken it seriously then, but when I watched the episode, when they interviewed the police of ch- the chief of police um, of Trenton, like, he just was like, oh yeah, like, dude was cooperative. Um, we have no reason to think that he did and it had anything to do with this. Like, really? This is another Pam Hub situation that's pissing me off. Just because you're cooperative doesn't mean you're not a criminal. And he wasn't even cooperative. He ref- he would not give them the shirt. They basically had to take it from him. True. So, True. it just, it's sketchy, and I feel so bad. I know Megan, she is raising, they're adorable. I looked at her Facebook a couple months ago, and I, their daughter is absolutely beautiful. I cannot imagine what it is like, but. For sure. I just, we want to give our condolences to the Ward family and, you know, everybody involved. And we hope that this, because it is getting more light now, I did see whenever this first happened, way before we even thought about doing a podcast, there was no stories on it. And if you have any information regarding the case of Tanner Ward, please contact your local police department. I would say contact Trenton, Missouri Police Department, but I think they're sketchy and I don't trust them. So, yeah, I can understand that. Okay. Okay. That one sucked. (laughs) So, all the stories suck, but that one hit different. Yeah, definitely hits different when it's somebody that you know. And if anyone that, anyone else that knew Tanner or Tanner's family listens to this, I hope that you know that we think about you guys and we think about him and obviously we know things are different but i hope that you're doing well okay well that's it for today's episode you can find us on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify and stitcher and we upload every week on thursdays so you can catch another episode from us next thursday and you can follow us on instagram and tiktok and if you have a case that you want to request or if you want to comment on anything that we've said today feel free to send us a message on our instagram the handle is murder and misery and if you have a request for something that you want to hear just make sure that you put in the like the first line heather don't read this because then i won't read it Right, because she's not allowed. No, obviously this one was a different... This was an exception to the rule. Only because, like, he was our friend. Right. All right, well, that's it for today's episode, so thanks for tuning in. Bye! Bye. (laughs)